Okay. Okay, it's the second uh, digital diary and I'm just driving along. I'm just gonna talk into the phone while I'm driving. And, and I thought I would talk today about what I feel is I'm, I'm a little frustrated because I'm just coming back from having dinner with an individual. And I think it's an interesting subject, the subject of what keeps us, keeps me, keeps you, keeps us from becoming. And what keeps us from finding and having the joy that we want in our life, those kind of things. What keeps us from having anything or the things of value? Because with this individual, so she has been um, in a legal battle. She's been in a legal battle for many years many years I, I think like five or six years and uh, she's had a company that um, she owned with with another woman and she's she's been working hard to get something from that company that she feels is rightfully should be with her so she and I have sat and talked about this several times and um, in my old dog years I've gotten I've gotten a lot better at not saying anything unless somebody asks me. So, but she'll, she'll ask me like my opinion and, uh, she'll tell me that, uh, she's very positive and that she doesn't harbor any anger or ill feelings towards this other individual and that, you know, she's handling this very well. But in the same conversation, she'll start talking about how she feels victimized, how uh, this other person has taken this from her and it's rightfully hers, and how she thinks this other person is just a dreadful person, terrible person. So I, you know, I said to her, so I'm curious if, um, have, have you, I asked her, have you accomplished what you wanted? Have you gotten what you wanted? And she says, no, because this friend of mine is very committed to doing things only her way and one way. She's very committed to the story. You know, we all have a story and her story about this situation, she's very committed to that. And the story that she has is a very is a story about someone taking something from her, treating her poorly, and uh, victimizing her, really. So that's her story. So I said to her, are you really committed to this story, or would you be willing to alter the story? Your outlook, your the way you perceive this and your point of view, maybe... You know, the situation has been difficult, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn to problem solve. Or this situation has been, it has been stressful, but it has taught me how to manage my stress and how to maybe go about getting something in a different way than I originally planned. Those kind of things. Well, this individual, she doesn't, you know, she's hell-bent. She is not going to move off her stance. This is how she's going to do it even though in all these years she's not been successful. And I think that's quite interesting because I think many people live life this way, which is one, they get stuck in a belief system 
meaning they're only going to do something one way. They're only going to believe this situation is one way and they are unwilling to alter at all. And you know, there is a difference between being happy and being right. They are not the same things. And I did ask my friend, I said, are you interested at all in, in finding more happiness in your life? Or are you only interested in being right? And what was interesting is that she she really sat and thought about it. She goes, well, it's important for me to be right because I'm right. But once again, being happy and being right aren't the same things. And sometimes in order to be happy, we have to say, you know, I want, I choose to be happy. And this thing that's in my life is, is draining me of my happiness. Therefore, I'm going to choose to take the gift from it, which is all the life lessons that it's brought me, all of the opportunities for me to alter myself, all the opportunities for me to find my strength. And I'm going to be happy and I'm going to walk away from this thing. So I just, you know, of course, this is what makes the world go around. But there's a system to life. There's absolutely a system to life. There's a program to life. Uh, life is not something that just happens to us. Life is absolutely, out, each and every one of our lives is what we have brought to ourselves, what we attract to ourselves. Yes, certain things happen. We can't control everything. But for as a whole, if your life is constantly in turmoil, uh, you're constantly stressed out, things constantly don't work, things constantly backfire, you may want to consider or reconsider what your outlook is. How do you feel? Because feeling is what attracts people to you, things to you, experiences to you. It's how you feel. So if you are not feeling on a moment-to-moment, day-by-day basis, for the most part, hopeful, inspired, grateful, grateful, being grateful is the vehicle to more peace. But if you're not feeling these things and you are feeling more anger and frustration, fear, um, skepticism, uh, frustration, those kind of things, if you're feeling those things, then of course your soul has to attach to those things because again, your soul is built to protect you and to provide for you. So if you're feeling those types of things, it goes out and it attaches. It's That's what it's used to. It's what it's aware of. It, it's what it, it thinks you want. So then it brings more of those things into your life. And, you know, for this particular friend, I think that she may have to go a few more years. I, I think that she is so committed to being right over being happy that she's going to forefoot happiness for quite a few years. I don't know. I, I would hope at some point she would decide that she's willing to do something different. It doesn't mean give up on this, but maybe give up on this. I don't know. But her approach that she's taking is clearly affecting her health, clearly affecting her life. And those are all things that she has control over. And that has to do first with her changing her stance on instead of being right, being happy. And being happy goes with having gratitude. So anyway, so I'm kind of just rambling as I think I'm supposed to be rambling because I think that's what the digital diary is for. Anyway, I really appreciate everyone. I love our viewers. I love our followers. I love you, Ray. I miss you. I wish we were doing this face to face, but 
Uh, Ray was the one that came up with these digital diaries, as a producer would. I mean, he's just fabulous. And at first, I was a little skeptical because I thought, can I really sit and talk? Can I just ramble for, you know, minutes on end? And clearly, clearly, I can ramble. I don't know why I would even doubt myself in that area. I mean, that's why I'm a talk show host. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate all of you and I love you all. So, anyway, Dare to be better with Ray and Sid. Well, Sid, I'm pretty sure you talk in your sleep. So I don't think there's any scenario where I can see you having a problem expressing yourself, whether it be to an Uber driver, whether it be into a recording device, whether it be to me sitting across from you, <laughs> you know, a uh, tile clerk in a Manhattan shop. You get the idea. I don't think you had any problem at all with letting people know what's on your mind at any time. <laughs> uh, well, do I have any nuggets of wisdom this week? Do I have any... Uh... I thought we were on vacation and here we are. We're still uh, burning the uh, midnight oil, so to speak. I've been doing that at night, but... Um... I guess gratitude is something I shoot for every day. And it literally goes on my list. I make a list every day with a pen and paper. And I have a whole checklist of things I want to accomplish. Thanksgiving always leads off that list. You know, you get up in the morning. You know, you, uh, you pray, you meditate, you do what you do. And the very, very first thing you should do when you basically come to is pick something, any one thing that you're grateful for, whether it be something in your past, something you're about to receive, something that's in your future, and uh, really just appreciate it for what it is. And it seems to set the tone for the rest of the day. As far as accomplishing things, it's a lot more fluid, it's a lot more, um, a lot more clear. And I think I get more done that way with more focus. I mean, I don't know. It works for me. I just think it gives me a semblance of discipline and structure. And, you know, being a parent, that's obviously important. You have to be able to portray that and you have to personify that in order for your kids, you know, to look up to you and to respect you and to go, oh, that's how it's done. So, you know, that's my light version of uh, what you were talking about. But, if we're going to talk about absolute gratitude, you know that I'm renovating my home right now. I own a home in the Northeast, and uh, homes there are very, very, very expensive. The taxes are criminal. I'm not going to get into that because I'm trying to stay positive here. <laughs> if I think about paying taxes and how much I pay, I may not be so friendly. But honestly, at least if I could say anything good about paying this much tax, which is criminal. Again, I will go on record as saying it's absolute theft. At least my daughter's school system is exemplary. I would say top five in the country, top 5%, easily. The attention that every student gets in this district, in this uh, specific borough, second to none. And that's why I chose to stay in this borough, in this home. That home is just about 100 years old. So every time I start a project on a new room, because I'm just going room to room right now, I'm not going to 
spread myself too thin. I think if I focus on one room at a time, it's going to be a lot easier. And then, you know, you have one area like the back deck. Something has to suffer and take the hit and just be disheveled and just be an absolute nightmare, you know, so that you can work on an empty room. My daughter's room I wanted to do first because she deserves the room. You know, she's um, she started out in our humongous bedroom in a crib. And then she had her sort of side room and then she had she had the opportunity for a room, but she didn't want it. And then when my mom passed, she didn't want her room. So I had to renovate an office to accommodate her. So now she's going to get that room downstairs. And again, now she's detached from her parents and, you know, she kind of feels a little more independent that way. That was my old room growing up at one point. So uh, it's funny just kind of seeing that full circle transition. And, you know, the thing with older people, the older generation, is they loved wallpaper. Oh, my God. What is it with the affinity for wallpaper and the type of wallpaper? It was floral. It was, oh, my God, it's just not me. (laughs) My apologies to anybody out there who digs wallpaper, but, oh, my God. If you ever had to remove wallpaper, you would lose your love for it. Believe me. (laughs) But I'll tell you something. Doing these renovations myself, and I'm doing them basically by myself, it's it's therapeutic. It really is. I kind of found this groove, and I, I because maybe it's because it's my home, and because I know I'm doing this for my daughter. You know, it gives me a uh, a sense of it's not you know the worst thing in the world. And on all four walls in this very big room, I had to scrape up every bit of wallpaper. None of it came off easy, of course, because it's been on there a long time. So it didn't come off in nice, clean, huge strips. It was get the super, super sharp utility knife, you know, get that top layer off. And then you got the adhesive layer, this layer of glue on the walls. And that has to be melted off with some sort of solution. So there was that. And that took a couple of days. And then there was the matter of what was underneath the wallpaper. And the reason they went with wallpaper, at least one of the reasons, From what I could see, it's because the walls were an absolute mess. You know, a hundred years of, and this is plaster, mind you, because it's the old days. And one of the walls is probably sheetrocked, but the wall leading to the outside of the house, that's definitely plaster and then the boards underneath. And, you know, I found layers of wallpaper, paint, more wallpaper, more paint, which is, of course, lead-based. So I've got a mask on and goggles and (laughs) the whole nine. It's hysterical. And of course, the layers are uneven. By the time I get it all off, it looks like people were throwing hand grenades against the wall. So I did take your advice, Sydney, as far as, you know, going a little more rustic. But even so, you know, I had to do a lot of repairs to some of these uh, areas of the walls. So there I am with my mud and my trowel, and I'm going to town. And I got to say, I did a pretty good job. Did the ceiling first, and... uh evened out the walls, just finished it out, sanded it down. And by the time I'm done sanding, I look like a powdered donut because I've got all this like white dust all over me. It's hysterical, but I really am digging it. You know, I'm staying up late at night and uh, getting this done. And I'm just about ready to prime the room and then I'll get to paint it. That'll be the fun. Of course, then my daughter will want to come in and, you know, slap the brush on the wall a couple of times and go, see, I'm painting. (laughs) Or she might just want to do it, you know, 
to completion with me. I don't know. But she picked out some cool colors. So, you know, the, uh, the point to that story is uh, the home is old. And I would have zero problem, zero issue, just pushing it down with a bulldozer and rebuilding it for 2023. But, you know, then where do you live? You have to rent a condo. You have to rent an apartment next, you know, next door in the vicinity. Do you have a driveway? I've got two vehicles, soon to be three in the driveway. You know, it's, it's, you're uprooting your whole life for a year or so. It's just one of those things where you just, unless you could buy a second home and move right into it, rebuilding and trying to live off-site, it's tough. I've seen people do it. And if you have a family, it makes it even harder. You know, with a pet involved and everything else. So there had to be a point where I just said, you know what? I have a home in a suburban area. I'm grateful for it. And a lot of people don't have that. So every time you complain about it, I could have a little bit more, you know, there's always a little more I could uh, shoot for. And I wish my home was bigger. I wish the kitchen was bigger. I wish, you know, the walls weren't falling down. And, you know, because in some areas where the home is settling, you know, some of these walls, the plaster, it cracks and it buckles. And it just, you have to sometimes demolish right to the boards. And in some areas, I'm going to have to do that if I intend to keep it intact, the home, I mean. And I do. I'm not going to go the wrecking ball route. Figured, you know what? We have it. And right now, this is serving its purpose. My daughter's going to have the best room in the house. I know that because I did it first, and that's going to get the most attention. And I have a feeling once I tackle the bathroom, the kitchen, and my future bedroom, they all have wallpaper too, and that's all going to have to come down. But by that point... All the mistakes I made in her room, now I know some of the pitfalls to avoid. Worst part of all, Sydney will cringe when I tell her this, but uh, the ceiling of my future bedroom is stucco. Who would do that to any wall or ceiling in your house? How do you paint that? Even with a spray gun, it's a nightmare. Why would you do that? I don't understand what these people were thinking. My God. And I don't even think it was my parents who did this. I think when they moved in, they left a lot of stuff as is. Because, you know, you move into a new home. And they had two boys who ate like truckers. So, you know, the grocery bills came before, you know, some of the vanity work. But that's uh, that's what I've been doing in my off time. A lot of home renovations. So I've been at Home Depot. I've been at the local hardware stores, shoring up on some of my tools, you know. And really, uh, getting down to it, once I get everything painted, then last will be the flooring. And yes, yeah, Sid, I'll be tapping you again for, uh, obviously, your expertise, because that's what uh, Sydney does when she's not imparting wisdom on the podcast. So, that has been the crux of my life. So that's that. I guess that would be my platitude for the week, right? Be grateful for what you have, and... Uh, you know, the old cliche of uh, not having what you want, but wanting what you have, right? <laughs> it's all good. Like I said, you know, it's a pretty blessed life. I've prayed for a lot of things, worked really hard for a lot of things. Everything I had, I had to bust my ass for and fight and seemingly climb these these obstacles that just kept on showing up. And it's like, why can't I just sprint, you know, do this 100-yard dash and get what I need? No, it was always a minefield and obstacles and 
climbing these barbed wire fences with people throwing stuff at me and uh, hurling things. But you appreciate it more. So once you get it, it means a lot more. Room by room, I say by Christmas, we should have everything, God willing, to where, uh, okay, it's a home now. It feels like home. But, you know, home is, of course, your family. You sit at the dinner table and you say grace. You're grateful for your meal. You eat your meal. You, you spend time with your family. Turn off the phone for 10 minutes. And that's where it really, uh, that's where it starts. Right there. So there you go. That has been my week. I'll check in with you next week. You're the best. Huge love and respect. Miss you. Can't wait till we're doing this uh, face-to-face again. And uh, the rest of you, check daretobebettershow.com for all the past podcasts. Um, while you're there, we got some sweet merch there. You might want to check that out as well. All right, kids. Thanks a lot.